0: Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Katie G and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, April 17th. Today we are reading from the big book, Alcoholics Anonymous, and we are at page 48, um, the reader may still. Today's readers are Adrian, 12 Steps, Rabia, 12 Traditions. And then for the paragraph, we have Katie F., Marita, and Sally A. The reference number for yesterday, April 16th, is 6194. 6194. The OA preamble, Overeaters Anonymous, is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the twelve steps and twelve traditions of overeaters anonymous. And I will now ask Adrian to please read the twelve steps.
1: Hi, this is Adrian. Uh the twelve steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character 7 humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings 8 made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all 9 made direct amends to such people wherever possible except when to do so would injure them or others 10 and to, pra- and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Adrian. And I will now ask Rabia to please read the 12 traditions.
2: Good morning. This is Rabia. I am a compulsive overeater. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, For our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever nonprofessional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is a spiritual foundation of all these traditions ever reminding us to place principles before personalities.
0: Thank you, Rabia. How our meeting works. star one, to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book, Alcoholics Anonymous, on page 48. We are starting with the first full paragraph, and I'd like to ask Katie F. to get us started reading two paragraphs. The reader may still ending with the paragraph assumption as a starting point. Katie asked.
3: Good morning, this is Katie, a recovered compulsive overeater in Virginia.
0: The reader may still
3: ask why he should believe in a power greater than himself. We think there are good reasons. Let us have a look at some of them. The practical individual of today is a stickler for facts and results. Nevertheless, the 20th century readily accepts theories of all kinds, provided they are firmly grounded in fact. We have numerous theories, for example, about electricity. Everybody believes them without a murmur of doubt. Why this ready acceptance? Simply because it is impossible to explain what we see, feel, direct, and use without a reasonable assumption as a starting point. And, you know, electricity is a great um, example of something that works that, that I just really don't get. I mean, I know some people understand electricity, but I really don't. I just know when I plug something in and turn it on, it works, and I expect it to work. And that is the simple faith that I needed for this program to work. I had tried everything else. I had even tried OA for many years, but I didn't believe that God cared about my eating problems. And until I believed that God did care about my eating problem and would help me in every circumstance, I couldn't recover. And I I got that belief by what I saw in other people. It started by believing that they believed. And then I was able to start to see that God was answering my prayers. He was there for me. He was you know, the situation that I thought was so horrible if I paused and prayed, it suddenly wasn't that bad. And I was, I did see a way out. I stopped picking up the food before I looked for a way out of my situation. And, you know, it sounds like such a simple, simple thing, um, and it really is, but I couldn't find it for (laughs) decades. I kept chasing and putting the food in my mouth before I let God work. And so I'm just so grateful to um, to be able to see that I don't have to know everything. I don't have to know what the outcome of my horrible situation is going to be, but I do have enough faith that I will get through it and that food is not going to solve my problem today. But if I keep uh, reaching out to God, he will be there for me. And with that, I pass.
0: Thank you, Katie. And who would like to comment on what was read? Kim? Kim, go ahead. Good morning, Katie. Good morning all. My name is
4: Kim G and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. Why this ready acceptance? You know, I you know, Katie talked about electricity and, and how we just accept that. You know, why why do we have this ready acceptance? You know, for example, with myself, I am very directionally challenged. I Very, very bad with directions. And in fact, I went away this weekend, five and a half hours away from my house. And there was no fear, there was no trepidation because I have this thing called a GPS. And all I do is I put in the, um, you know, address and it says continue for 87 miles and then make a right on this exit. And that's what I do and I simply follow it. Why do I do that? Because I have a need. I have a need because I cannot do directions on my own. Now, when I got this GPS, did I call the manufacturer and ask them where the satellite was and ask them how the inner workings of the GPS were and ask for complete proof that this GPS was not going to make me lost? No. I readily accepted it because I had a need. I had a need because, you know, I used to buy maps and do triptychs for AAA and math But this was the most efficient way for me to get from point A to point B without getting lost. So that's all that step two is. Do we have a need? You know, I have this allergy of the body. I have this this obsession of the mind. The allergy of the body I am never going to get rid of. And the obsession of the mind is only removed from my experience through these 12 steps. So I have a need. I have an absolute need for a power greater than myself because of my circumstances, because I'm a distinct entity. And I walk into these rooms and I see people that are recovered. I see people that are not, who have the same diagnosis I do, but they're living free from that obsession. I'm seeing the freedom and I want that freedom. And I am simply going to go, how did you get that freedom? The 12 steps, okay, let me do what you did. Let me follow these precise directions. I don't have to have it explained to me. I don't have to overthink it. All I know is I have this need. And just to harken back to, to the difference, because I think we get confused between step two and step 11. A lot of us wind up having this idea of a belief. You know, in fact, I'm doing a big book study in a couple of weeks, and someone sent me a bunch of handouts they want to hand out at that belief, and it's this complicated thing about these are the characteristics of God. Which ones do you want? Which ones do you don't want? And, I mean, it was like six or seven pages, and I had to giggle, because that's what I did. I complicated step two. Step two is simply, do I have a need for higher power? If that is true, let's move on. So on page 28, it says, what seems at first to be a flimsy read has proved to be the loving and powerful hand of God. All step two is this flimsy read. Do I have a need for this power? Do I fully concede except that I am powerless? And because of that acceptance of that reality in my life, I know I have a need for a power, flimsy read. That loving and powerful hand of God is at step 11. How do we get there? How is that proven, as it says on page 28? By doing steps 3 through 10. So right now, I know I have a need for electricity in my house. I know I have a need for this GPS. And that need is going to allow me to take the actions to buy a GPS, to call an electrician if my, uh, my electricity goes out. Step two is simply a need. We don't get connected to a power until step 11. And we get that connection from taking the action steps between steps two and step 11. So simply ask ourselves, why this ready acceptance? Do you feel you have a need for a higher power? If that is true, congratulations, you've just done step two. And
5: with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. And who else would like to comment on what was read? Larry. Larry, go ahead. Good
6: morning, Larry. Recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. <clears throat> um, you know, this this is good for this is good information for me because you know when you look at a theory, a theory is just sort of a group of ideas that you know are meant to explain a certain topic and you know kind of a well substantiated explanation of some aspect of. You know, that we, you know, that's confirmed, you know, through observation and experimentation. And I saw, I observed other people having this result. And I began to experiment, you know, with this to see if, um, you know, if there was, I saw this strong evidence in you, um, but it was not absolute proof of the truth of this conclusion that this would happen for me. So, you know, the one thing here when I read this, if, if I was waiting for proof, you know, that, that, that the higher power or God changed you as a result of working these steps, if I needed indisputable evidence beyond, you know, I know now today that this has happened to me, beyond my pure joy for life, you know, without the need uh, for my binge foods, after decades of utter misery, destruction in my life, you know, then, then I would have felt sorry for someone like me if I needed that indisputable proof. I mean, I, I, you know, being persuaded by the results. I mean, in the physical results, okay, if that, if that's what one needs, you know, I'm I'm 165 pounds today, five ten, no desire whatsoever for the food, good cholesterol from 300, you know, down to 152 with no medicine or anything. My blood pressure is good. I'm not on any medication. If that, if that's the evidence that I needed. Emotionally, I'm, I'm happy. I'm no longer a prisoner to my emotions. I'm no longer that, you know, that yo-yo, the up and down, up and down every day. I'm no longer self-centered to the extreme. I, I show up in life. I'm, I'm here this morning. You know, it's all evidence by working these steps, by accepting a power greater than myself. Um, being in my presence is no longer like walking around eggshells, you know. I mean, I mean, before, yeah, I mean, you're safe around me today. I'm predictable in a good way. And spiritually, you know, the, the theory, the, the evidence, today God is the director of my life. My higher power is the principle. Every morning, here's some more evidence. Uh, every morning it's the same for me. Maybe it's boring. I don't know. Every morning I ask God, how can I be of service to others? And my higher power never disappoints, always, always gives me that. I'm no longer trying to change you to suit me. You know, I accept people, places and things as being exactly the way they are supposed to be at this moment. I don't, whether I'm sponsoring someone or helping someone, it it makes no difference to me, to my recovery. I care, but it doesn't, doesn't affect my recovery, whether you recover. You know, I just want you to have what I've, what I have. And what I have is not, I didn't invent this thing. You know, this thing, I didn't recreate this thing. I did this thing at, at a certain point. I realized there was no door number three. And I did it precisely as it was laid out in the book. That That's it. And it was very simple. I, I accepted a, a power greater than myself of my own conception. And then I, I made an affirmative declaration in step three that I was now ready to work the steps four through nine in particular. Those action steps are not, I didn't have to recreate those or do anything specific. See, to me, this wasn't, this wasn't conjecture. This, this worked in you. And the question was, was I going to have it? How free do I want to, did I want to be? And today, thank God, I, uh, I embrace these steps without knowing. See, most people, they want to show me first. Show me first, Larry, then then I'll do it. Yeah, I see you, but I don't know about that. Show me. I want to feel better first. Guess what? I didn't feel better for a long time. It doesn't work that way. At least it didn't for me. Now no. it's different. Thank God for, uh, for this program. And with that, I'll pass.
0: Thanks, Larry, and this is... Katie G., I'm just going to take a moment. I, I just love this chapter and um, particularly loved hearing um, what a previous spe- speakers talked about, how I have the opportunity to see how my mind complicates things. And in fact, this chapter talks about um, the underlying reasons why we were making heavy going of life. When I first came into the rooms where they were working the steps, where I heard a message of depth and weight, somebody said, yeah, ask me what time it is and I'll tell you how to make a clock. I am very complicated in my mind. And, you know, a lot of this was about getting humble enough to realize I was talking out of ten sides of my mouth, you know, and um, and that I was worshiping, you know, everything else but just me. You know what I'm saying? Like, I had to have all the reasons and all the understandings. But what was amazing when I got to this chapter with, with my sponsor it was like, Oh, yeah. Okay, so I do, I do uh, um, you know, trust that the electricity is going to turn on. I do, have, I do trust theories that I'm not in charge of, that I don't completely understand. And the only way I took step two was seeing repeatedly, again, I have an allergy to the body. That was smashed home to me, reading that with my sponsor. Look at the numerous times, Katie, you put flour, sugar, in quantities. It sets up an uncontrollable craving for more, and it doesn't matter who you are, but you are steamrolling them to get more. But the problem is, Katie, you could never stay stopped. You know, you'd go for a while, and you would be restless, irritable, and discontent. And then look at you, Katie, look at you trying to manage your life on your own and the ego and, and you trying to understand everything. How well is that working for you? Well, it brought me into Overeaters Anonymous and when that wasn't when that when Overeaters Anonymous, you know, my abstinence and my tools, when I tooled enough people to death, when I'd made so many phone calls and, you know, tried to adopt so many religions, but still had no God, I was devastated and I came into the rooms in Massachusetts where they where they studied the books and I the book and I heard a message of depth and weight and my sponsor just said simply Katie, do you see that? Where you come to managing your life, you're insane. You need to fire yourself as manager. You can't manage your life anymore. Not just when it, not just when you're eating food, but when you're not eating food. Not just when you have a job, or not just when you don't have a job, but when you have a job. No matter what the external circumstances, my life's always going to be unmanageable, and my head has insane thinking. So step out of the driver's seat, Katie. And is there a power greater than you? And after reading this chapter, I couldn't deny there was a power greater than me. But I didn't need some fluffy, puffy, beautiful explanation of who this power was. Because, again, how do I get a deeper understanding? How do I grow an understanding and effectiveness in the steps? I do the steps. Steps 4 through 9, and then I live in 10, 11, and 12 to clear away every day the selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear that does crop up, but, you know, not as much as it used to. Thank you, God. I have hope today. And with that, I will pass. And I'd like to ask, who else would like to share on this paragraph? This is Janice. Hi, Janice. this is Janica. I'd comment? like to share. Great, Jenica. We're going to have um, Janice go first, and then we'll have you go, okay? Okay.
7: Well, thank you so much, Katie and everyone. My name is Janice, and I am a compulsive overeater. Um, the sentence, why this ready acceptance? Why? Well, why? Because you know the first step. I I knew there was nothing else for me to do, but but this sent this um uh step does not tell me that I have to know it, that I have to prove it, that you have to explain it. You know, it says simply because it's impossible to explain what we see, feel, direct, and use without a reasonable ap- assumption. As a starting point, the starting point only for this step is willingness. It doesn't tell us what we have to believe. It doesn't tell us that we really have to understand this power yet. You know, we know that electricity is there. You know why? Because when it's off, when we don't switch on the switch, we still know it's there. Just because we don't see it, we still know it's true. You see, just because I don't see a power at this present time or can explain it, it's still true. Um, A chair, I mean, how do I know it's going to hold me? Well, I believe it's a chair, and I believe it's going to hold me, but I don't really know. But chairs are made to hold you, right? So there's a lot of reasons why it's impossible to explain, and we're not asking. You know, the, the 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 book is not asking me to understand. It's just having a willingness that you need, you know, that I know today through experience that I need another power because I am, you know, because I was um, helpless. I couldn't do it myself. Again, the Eiffel Tower. I mean, how many of us have seen the Eiffel Tower? I mean, I know I haven't, but I know it's there <laughs> just because I haven't seen it. I know it's there. And, you know, the fact is, and the result is that, you know, the theory that a spiritual experience can solve my problem, well, the fact is that those of us who have gone through these steps have proven that there is a power that has solved my problem. And that, you know, that power turned out to be the presence of God, you know. So, you see, At this point, we don't have to know and explain and and, and theorize and, you know, prove because it's impossible. It's impossible at this time. And it's impossible, period.
0: And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Janice. And I'm sorry. I know that um, the next person, I I don't remember how to uh, pronounce your name. So if you're on the line, Jack Weah?
5: I'm right here. It's Jenica.
0: Jenica, thank you. I apologize. Jenica, please
5: go ahead. Thank you. Um, this is Jenica from Pennsylvania. I am a compulsive overeater, and um, this passage really spoke to me this morning, and just really confirmed some stuff that's been going on in my life. Um, yesterday, I had a difficult situation. I was very emotional, and I just wanted—I was fantasizing about you know, stuff I could consume and it felt like what I did was um, sort of suspended what made sense to me. What made sense to me was to go and get something that I wanted to to eat um, and and I knew better and I knew it, it was almost like that, that theory of electricity, you know, am I going to stay in the dark or am I going to turn on the light? And be able to see where I was going. Well, I didn't want to. I didn't want to turn on the light. I um, that was the last thing I wanted to do. Um, but I knew better, and I didn't want to lose my abstinence. And I also knew that it wouldn't lead me anywhere good. So I called somebody, and I kind of I took note of how long it took me to get out of the place where I was. And it took me about. Um, well, it only took a few minutes after calling somebody to start feeling a little bit of relief, but I but it took me about about two hours to kind of get to a different place where I could go ahead and continue with my day. But um, it was because of um, the sort of the practice of this program, like it's it's the faith. Faith, is, faith doesn't always make sense to me. You know, like the fact that there that I have a power, higher power doesn't always make sense. But just like I have faith that the lights going to turn on, just like I have faith that the sun is going to rise because it just has every single day that I've ever been, you know, here on this earth. I now have faith that uh, in a higher power, and and um, it doesn't always make sense, but I. You know, follow the steps, and and it worked. And my higher power was there for me, and I, you know, had um, release from my disease. So um, it's really great to be on this mo- the this meeting this morning, just to have that confer- confirmation of uh, practice that I, you know, had just yesterday, and um, and it's great to be able to share it with you all. So thanks so much. Thank you, Zenica. And would anyone else like to comment
0: on what would we read before we move on? Yes, this is Amy. Yes, Amy, Sue. please go ahead. Um, would that do that I heard underneath Amy or Sue? Sue. Sue. Okay. so We'll have Amy and then Sue. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks, everyone, for your service.
4: Good morning to the newcomer. My name is Amy. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. I, too, want to talk about this, this sentence that says why this ready acceptance simply because it is impossible to explain what we see, feel, direct, and use without a reasonable assumption as a starting point. Like other examples that have been given, like electricity, when, when I go out to my car and I turn the key, I don't need to know how it works because the assumption is it is going to work because I see everyone else driving a car and the guy I bought the car from says that the car is going to work so that I know that when I turn the key, that the car is going to go on somehow, some way, and I'm going to be able to drive my car as long as I put gas in it. And like this program and what we've been talking about, the key of willingness, I need to be able to put that key of willingness and turn turn the key and do the action steps that are necessary to surrender, to be willing, to know. And what is the starting point in, in Overeaters Anonymous? I mean, what do they say in the rooms? This is a program of attraction rather than promotion. My starting point as a newcomer was looking at those who had recovered. We have hundreds of us on the line that have recovered by using the instructions in this manual. That is a fact. I don't need to know how all of you have recovered, but I know that you have. I hear you on the line. And I hear the stories of transformation, personality changes that I know that I myself could not have done for myself. I hear it in your stories. That's my starting point. You know, we we put our hand out and we offer what this program has and what this program tells us. If we go to there is a solution, it says here, that's the chapter, there is a solution. The tremendous fact for every one of us is that we have discovered a common solution. We have a way out on which we can absolutely agree and upon which we can join in brotherly and harmonious action. I don't think they use the word fact lightly. I think they're using the word fact is because like, Myself and many others, we have recovered through the instructions in this manual, through the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous adapted for overeaters. That's the fact. And that's the starting point for me me as a newcomer. I didn't know how it worked. I knew I was powerless. I started to understand and listen to the description of what it is this disease is a physical allergy, the greater aspect, that mental obsession that keeps bringing my face back to the food. And then realizing that with surrender and turning the key of willingness and action, that's all I needed to get started. The whole facing, I didn't need to worry about as long as I knew that I was no longer the one in charge. That me, myself, and I was what was killing me in this disease. And that was the only starting point I needed for step two. The rest came along. I didn't have to understand or understood how everything worked. It didn't need to happen. Over time, that transformation occurs and we develop this sense of a higher power and what exactly that is. But that doesn't need to start. What needs to start is the action and the willingness and the surrender Sticking the key in and turn in that key of willingness. That's where it all needs to start. Trusting that those who have gone before will show me the way because I look at them and I see that they're recovered. If they can do it, if I can do it, if we can do it, the newcomer can do it. And with that, I'll pass.
0: Thank you, Amy. And Sue, please go ahead. Hi, it's Sue from Pennsylvania,
8: Sue G. Um, and thank you for your service. And uh, I I really love this chapter and I was discussing it with my husband who is I think he's a committed agnostic of great faith. <laughs> and and I am I'm more somebody who who always had an idea of God in a maybe, maybe a more traditional sense, but I I just thought that it's fun to join in this this conversation about this and, and how did I get recovered? Well, it started out with, with this, with step one, but then in step two, I really, I think what this is talking about and what our whole program is talking about that's the universal is faith. And, and this is kind of talking about the leap of faith and the leap of faith is well, it's like you go to the doctor and the doctor says, in my experience, blah, blah, blah. Now, if you like your doctor and you have faith and the doctor has helped you and you have that kind of personal experience, you believe what the doctor says. Now, I can go to the doctor and then I come home to my, to my husband, the, the skeptical um, agnostic doctor, and he says, well, wait a minute, um, that's not necessarily true. And I listen to that. And I know him very well. His faith, he has faith too. His faith is in the science of medicine. His faith is also in the art of medicine. That doctor that I trust has the art, which is the faith. It's, It's more faith that we commonly have, having faith in another person. We, in fellowship, have the opportunity if we're honest, open, and willing, to have faith in one another and in the experiences of other people. And when we see people have recovered and we hear what the message is, we say, oh, I'm attracted to that message or this one or whatever. And it doesn't matter which one we're attracted to. It just matters that we have enough presence or presence of mind, presence of self, presence in the process to say, okay, I like that, I like that explanation, I can live with that, because no explanation is complete. Even the scientist has to take the leap of faith, the leap of faith of science. I mean, that things get explained, Dr. Silkworth explains things, and if, if you're a scientist, you say, well, that was years ago with wonderful principles that help people. But in the end, it's a leap of faith to accept that. He said, uh, I'm going to be ridiculed in the medical community. Don't use my name when he first shared this. And in the first editions of the book, they didn't use his name. Then they did when, when it seemed that, that AA was helping a lot of people. And that's, that's it. There's a leap of faith wherever you go. And, and it's, it's necessary in anything. That we commit to. Commitment involves faith. So I'd like to close with this answer to a question I heard also from an, an AA um, What time is it? The answer to that question is now. Thanks for letting me share. I pass.
0: Thank you, Sue. And we're actually going to move on. So I would like to ask Marita to pick us up, um, everybody nowadays. And Marita, please read the next two paragraphs, everybody nowadays, and the prosaic steel girder.
4: What page are we on? We're
0: on page
9: 48. Okie dokie. Thank you. Thank you, Katie. This is Marita. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Virginia. Everybody nowadays believes in scores of assumptions for which there is good evidence but no perfect visual proof. And does not science demonstrate that visual proof is the weakest proof? It is being constantly revealed, as mankind studies the material world, that outward appearances are not inward reality at all. To illustrate, the prosaic still girder is a mass of electrons whirling around each other at incredible speed. These tiny bodies are governed by precise laws, and these laws hold true throughout the material world. Science tells us so. We have no reason to doubt it. When, however, the perfectly logical assumption is suggested that underneath the material world and life as we see it, there is an all-powerful, guiding, creative intelligence, right there our perverse streak comes to the surface and we laboriously set out to convince ourselves it isn't so. We read wordy books and indulge in windy arguments, thinking we believe this universe needs no God to explain it. Were our contentions true... It would follow that life originated out of nothing, means nothing, and proceeds nowhere. This I've always found to be extremely powerful and convincing information. I love the way Bill brings us in a very logical, you know, sort of a Socratic, solipsistic way. You know, if A equals B... B equals C, then A equals C, kind of stuff going on here, um, and I love that he points out the fallacy of our thinking about seeing is believing. You know the 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 people the the license plates for Missouri. You know the show me state, show me, and then I'll believe it. That seems to be a prevalent um, prejudice that everybody in, that I know, including me, shares in this culture. You know, if I see it, then I, I agree that it's real. But there's so much about seeing that just isn't, isn't giving me the right data. You know, like I loved what one um, member shared saying that, you know, the sun comes up in the morning, it's always come up. The sun doesn't come up. The earth turns somersaults as it revolves around the sun. The sun's not moving up and down. We are twirling like one of those uh, whirling dervish guys. <laughs> we are hurtling through space. It is such a different reality than what my eyes tell me. And that is true on so many levels. I love that Bill talks about electrons and how you know how a, a hard steel bar is actually not. It, it, just like everything else on, in, in this world, um, at the atomic level, there's more air than anything else inside the structure. So, uh, but it's whirling around so fast, it feels solid, like, uh, like a propeller on an airplane, right? This stuff is going at like 30,000 miles um, a minute. It's just insanely quick. And, and if, you're, if you want to put your hand in the way of a propeller, even though the propeller is taken up like one-tenth of a percent of that whole area, you don't want to put your hand there because it will be chopped off. It feels solid when that thing is moving. And that's the way it is with all the solid things in our experience. Um, So I know, I know from my experience that my eyes trick and fool me. And what else am I fooling myself about? That's what I'm beginning to wake up to. What else have I been telling myself that I know that really isn't true? There's a lot, and a lot of it starts with this understanding that I think I'm in charge. And at the same time, I think I'm nothing. I think I'm not enough. I have all these conflicting beliefs that really aren't so that I have adopted a priori without even thinking about And now we're being asked to investigate this carefully, and I love this process. This helps us open like a flower, and this path just unfolds, and we all grow from it. Thanks so much for letting me share, and I pass.
0: Thank you, Marita. And who would like to comment on these two paragraphs? This is
10: Sharon in Colorado.
0: Sharon, please go ahead.
10: Hi, Katie. Thank you so much. And uh, I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Colorado, and welcome to everyone out on the line. Um, I was just going to go back and do this thing about the paragraph before and then go into the next paragraph, but the practical individual of today is a stickler for facts and results. And it's true, you know, I never think about, uh, the electricity, that I have to figure that out and everything and figure out how it works and why does it come on and, and uh, that I just have to click it down and it goes off. and um, But it always shows me for a loop when the power is out and all of a sudden you're in the dark. So um, I just see that I was not uh, much of a practical individual. My life experiences prove that out and... Um, the insanity for me, you know, the unsound reasoning and judgment. I was unable at times to discern the truth. The obsession prevents us from seeing the truth. We believe and act on a lie. It will it'll be different this time. Sometimes I can treat food like normal people do. Boy, how many times I used to believe that lie. And, and so, um, you know, it just amazes me today to to see how blind I was to the facts and to the truth regarding this eating addiction problem I had, even though I had seen amazing results in another 12-step program regarding another substance. And so I'm just so grateful today that I, um, I no longer have to convince myself of a lie. My own self-deception will screw me up every single time. And I, I remember when I went to, um, and this was quite a few years ago, that I was going back to college to be a nurse and I was in school and I had only had two semesters of, um, you know, studies under my belt. And I can still remember all us, especially my family and friends, coming to me and asking me these questions about their health and this medical issue and that medical issue like I was now a doctor and uh here i only had <laughs> two semesters but you know the the stupidity was my own self deception of thinking that yeah you know i i can answer those questions now that i'm now that i've got two semesters under my belt and that's the insanity of my mind when i do not submit to a power greater than myself humble myself under that direction and then do what i'm told and that's what i'm doing today in this book, following these directions, and um, as a result of that, I'm now, by God's grace and mercy, living in steps 10, 11, and 12 on a daily basis, and I still have to be faithful about that. And thank you for everyone out on the line and all that I hear on here, and with that I pass.
0: Thank you, Karen. And who else would like to comment on these two paragraphs? Larry? Sally? So I have
6: Larry and then Sally. Thank you. Hi, this is this is Larry Recovered Compulsive Reader. Um, it just reminded me, um, so I, I teach at a at a local college here in Chicago and you know when I hear this, uh, whenever I read this it reminds me for some reason what comes to mind, you know, um last night uh we were talking about um learning from each other about um you know, the model of the mind, you know, sort of the things that we accept, you know, the conscious and the, the, the subconscious of the pre-conscious mind, you know, just below the surface and then the unconscious mind. And we use, you know, visualizations to, to, to sort of wrap our brains around it a little bit like an iceberg, you know, a huge, huge iceberg, mountain of an iceberg in the ocean. And, you know, what you can see just above the surface would be the equivalent of the conscious mind. That's, you know, uh, what we're aware of in the moment right now. And then we talk about like, uh, just like like what we're reading now is just trying to to understand something um, uh, like the molecules and the atoms. So just below the surface of the water is maybe the the unconscious. And we, and we, we know, somehow we know that exists. We think that our conscious mind, our awareness is everything you know because that that's all we know we can prove that there's an uh, there's a per, there's a subconscious and that we can you know I can say what well, you know what did you have for breakfast yesterday and, and you, you might be able to pull that out of your head and say okay that's just below the surface but the vast majority of 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 who we are as individuals is that is that unconscious mind which is the huge base of the iceberg that's like what we're reading here you know is is just w- what appears to be real is just like this physical body or is just like the conscious mind what we're aware of right now in the moment on this meeting you know but there's something there's something much deeper you know that that drives us so that would be the equivalent Whenever i read this about the unconscious mind that's the the deep inner you know uh drives and forces below that kind of guide and direct our behavior we think we have complete free will, and there's, there's all this stuff going on, and we kind of know the unconscious mind exists in a, in a lot of different ways, but one of the ways is dreams that we don't necessarily direct and guide. So uh, bringing it back to what we read, and I'll just mention that, uh, you know, there's all sorts of things that, we, that appear real and appear to be our reality, but there's much going on below the surface that we, uh, that we come to accept. And that was the case for me with this program. I thought all there was was calories in, calories out. I thought all there was was this physical body. If it were thin, my life would be okay. Not so, you know, not so. Uh, Life happens on life's life's terms. I I didn't realize all these things until much later through my experiences. Hopefully that will be the case for you as well if you follow this practical program of action. With that, I'll pass. Thanks.
0: Thanks, Larry. And Sally A., go ahead.
11: Thank you. This is Sally A., um, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in South Jersey. I want to look at this word reason, that they keep bringing up the word reason. At the top of 49, it says, we have no reason to doubt it. When, however, the perfectly logical assumption is suggested that underneath the material world and life as we see it, there is an all-powerful, guiding, created intelligence. And it goes on to say, we laboriously set out to convince ourselves it isn't so. And so I noticed that on these pages that we've been reading, over and over they're talking about our reasoning skills at the top of um, Page 48, it talks about unreasoning prejudice. Um, Lower down the page, it says, in this respect, alcohol was a great persuader. It finally beat us into a state of reasonableness. Going down to the bottom of the next paragraph, it says, without a reasonable assumption as a starting point. And over and over, we see that they're talking about our reasoning skills. And... um, What's interesting to me is that the word sanity in the Big Book Dictionary says, free from defect, mentally sound, reasonable. And I think that what they're doing is giving us an argument here that we're crazy if we don't believe. That's just my, my take on this. And I would just say that my best thinking got me to 248 pounds. My best thinking... Had me in OA for over 30 years, focused, completely tunnel vision focused on the tools, never quite getting that the solution, that the instruction manual was this big book that I carried in this lovely little pouch of books that I brought with me to meeting after meeting after meeting for years, but never realized what I was holding because I was still focused on my reasoning skills i was if you will i was insane that's what i see from these pages that we're reading so as we continue to read and we're going to see again at the bottom of this page no reasonable conception over and over they're looking at my reasoning they're helping me to say sally your best reasoning skills got you here stop thinking so much just do it just follow the instruction manual follow the steps that are right in front of you by people who have done this. When I finally came to this meeting two years ago, almost two years ago, people used the word recovered, and I heard that word. I was pretty shocked. I was pretty much tearful for quite a bit of time. But I would just say that I stopped thinking so hard, and I just started listening and following this instruction manual. Thanks for letting me share
0: Thanks, Sally. And we have time for one more share this morning, would someone like to comment on what was read?
12: This is Lois.
0: Lois, please, go ahead. This is Rachel
12: from Jerusalem. May I? Uh, good.
0: Um, I'm sorry, Lois, is that you speaking or is that somebody else?
12: This is Lois.
0: Okay, um, we're going to have Lois share. Thank you
12: okay i 'll keep it short. Um, this is Lois recovered in Massachusetts, and um I just had i I wanted to make a quick comment about that beautiful uh, two paragraphs that we just read about the creative intelligence and 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 for me, you know coming into this program i i I believed in myself, okay, and I believed that no matter what I did it wasn 't working for me, and what the program helped me to see. I read in the big book, and somebody read it to me. Was you know I have an allergy to the body of the body, and an obsession of the mind. And what I began to learn as I listened to learn was that my I had the it, my the obsession of my mind was was unable to. Conceive of anything other than my own experience, you know for many, many, many years, that was all I ever believed in, and I, and I was living the the results of what it did for me and and I had no hope, so I began to shut out everything that I heard until you know people kept using examples of their lives, other compulsive overeaters were sharing for, for, for us what had happened to them. And when I began to uh, relate and understand by listening to these meetings, you know, I began to identify and relate. These people had the same experience I did. And and I was afraid to hope. So I be- I came, I came to, and I came to believe that little by little, I began to hope because it happened for you that it would happen for me. and And with that, you know, the, um, I opened the door of willingness, just a crack, because I was so fearful. My mind was so contaminated by this obsession that, you know, I had no room for anything, any positive hope anymore. So it was with the, the gift of uh, one, one compulsive overeater sharing with another one, you know, what had happened to them. And and something inside of me began to hope again. And with that, I began to follow the directions laid out in the big book and follow uh, the process, such as you had explained to me. And it did happen for me. Little by little, I began to believe. Little by little, once again. And I still had probably 10% belief and 90% distrust and fear. And so this disease, you know, just began to have a hope that I could it this could happen for me and it could happen for you too. So if you're new, are you coming back, please just hang in there, keep coming and um and it and it will happen for you as well. Thank you very much, and I pass.
0: Thank you, Lois, so much. Thanks. And one thing I've heard that's been really helpful too is there is no chapter in the big book called Into Thinking or into um, understanding, and I love that idea. So without further ado, I will ask um, Sally A. to um, please read A Vision for You on page 164, and we will follow that with a serenity prayer. Sally? Yes, right here. Still Sally, still recovered, still in South Jersey.
11: Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little.